Welcome back to the Arbitrary Archive, the show where siblings DJ and Travis attempt to catalog all of human culture, just one word at a time, all under the guidance of a sentient and hopefully benevolent artificial intelligence named Jeff. Every week, Jeff gives us a one-word category, and Travis and I must find a piece of media or artwork to contribute to the Arbitrary Archive that fits that category. This week, Jeff has given us the word frigid. So, Trav, what were you able to find to contribute to the Arbitrary Archive in the category of frigid? I think I'll be testing Jeff's patience a little bit on this one, given that my contribution is kind of the opposite of frigid. It's notably not frigid when one might expect it to be, um, and that's sort of the, the way it fits the category. I'm contributing... The recently released record, Suspended in Reflections by the band Ancestors. The reason if it's the category, or notably doesn't, I guess, um, and then in sort of a reverse way kind of does, uh, is because Ancestors uh, is, or at least was, maybe they're not at this point, but at least was a doom metal band. Doom metal is a genre, it's a subgenre of heavy metal, wherein... Tempos are slowed down, and uh, typically you de-emphasize riffs and just have these sort of uh, often descending, um, uh, slow descending patterns that feel like they are pointing you at something, at some inevitable conclusion, um, hence hence the name Doom Metal. There's, there's always this wash of sound, it always feels like... Um, the, the reason it's called doom metal is because it almost feels faded that the guitar and bass are going to land where they do because it's so slow and plodding. I really like doom metal. Ancestors has always been a band that are sort of a combination between doom metal and psychedelic, uh, rock in some ways. When I show it to people often, they, they say like, oh, it's kind of like if Pink Floyd were progressive metal and it's like, shh. Sure, it's close enough. Um, and if our listeners are thinking that the connection between uh, doom metal and, I guess, you know, the glacial frigidity of our category is a bit of a stretch, then I would say stick with us, be- please, because like we, I think both of us really want to talk about this record, and uh-huh. it's super rare that like a category even adjacently lines up with something that uh, that is this much of a favorite to both Trav and me. <laughs> I will also point out that the closing track is called "The Warm Glow," so at least it ha- <laughs> at least it has that sort of way that it fits in in that it's sort of its opposite. Um, so. Ancestors is a band I would have no idea about, except that they released an album called In Dreams and Time when I was, I guess, probably early in college or late when I was in high school. I don't exactly remember the release date of that album, Um, and it just happened to hit that strike zone of when I was listening to the most new music. I was actually reading album reviews and that sort of thing, and they're not a super well-known band, and... So, but In Dreams and Time had this profound effect on me, and and it quickly became one of my favorite records, uh, just because it did some things with doom metal that you wouldn't expect. It had a sense of, uh, sort of conversely, this sort of hopefulness uh, in its song structure that um, I found extremely captivating. And then they sort of dropped off the face of the map, and the thought was, well... they weren't that big of a band. They probably just just stopped existing, and no one's gonna write a news article that a uh, doom metal ba- <laughs> that obscure doom metal band ancestors broke up or whatever. 
Then out of the blue, they announce and release the record that came out this year. This is, what, eight years later, I think, something like that. They released Suspended in Reflections, which is the album I'm talking about today. And the type of things they were doing in in Dreams and Time, they are um, doing, and I've read a few reviews that have said this, they're sort of doing it in a more, even more mature way now, to the point where it's almost um, not doom metal anymore. Uh, It ends up taking elements from all its inspirations, be that psychedelic rock, be that progressive rock and uh, most notably doom metal taking elements of those subgenres and making something that does not really even resemble um, the the holes from which it took parts Um, and it ends up creating this almost worship like um, atmosphere uh, this 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 wall of sound that creates a feeling of catharsis that I don't really feel that often in music and they're able to pull it off kind of in uh kind of in two ways first is by very considered instrumentation that's sort of pulling a little bit from the progressive rock angle that I guess the joke is that you make something progressive rock by adding keyboards and maybe a violin in there and then it's like <laughs> oh I see what you're doing there and and it almost feels bad progressive rock feels arbitrary in its instrumentation. It feels like those choices are made simply uh, to make the album or the song feel different than a normal rock tune. Um, but in this Ancestors record suspended in reflections, we uh, see sections. I'm thinking specifically of a track called Into the Fall or no, uh, yeah, Into the Fall opens with um, a violin as the lead instrument. And it's not just to do that thing where where rock bands pull in violins to make something seem more dramatic by having this wash of all of these different string instruments. Instead, it's just one singular violin taking advantage of the, the, the types of sounds that that instrument can produce in a way that makes that instrumentation feel justified. A similar thing happens uh, in the following track release, wherein uh, the electric bass is swapped out for a uh, a double bass, like a standing upright bass you might see in like a jazz band. Uh, and it's played like that, not not uh, bowed like, like in classical music. That's sort of the one way they're able to do it. And I think the second is by the elements of those genres that they're not, taking um they don't really take the distortion from from doom metal the guitars are almost always pretty clean um and so as a result instead of this dour feeling that the genre typically produces you end up with um these more um open uh sort of outward reaching um, sounds and and similarly, it's different than the elements of psych like psychedelic rock, where instead of this like detachment from reality that that genre is supposed to emulate, um, you, it it almost feels like it encourages you to both be introspective and um, sort of uh, uh, empirical, almost like looking out into the world at the same time. DJ, am I saying anything, or am I just uh, is it just a jumble of words? No, you're totally on point. I, I, I'm glad you brought up this idea of how this record isn't really doom metal anymore, because what I what I was going to 
describe about this record is that in some ways it essentially transcends genre and yeah. is almost becoming like pure music. And I know that sounds hyperbolic, but like this is how much I love this record. Like this is, you know, potentially greatest of all time material here. Um, and, and part of the reason for that is is just because, yeah, it, it brings in elements from all these different genres, each of which I love uh, to somehow create something that is just pure music. It is it is pure experience. And at the same time is like also deeply emotional. Yeah. Like there there are chords on this record that like bring me to the brink of tears. Like uh -huh. and, and not even like being able to decipher the lyrics or you know what the and writers there's are. There's not a lyric sheet you're gonna find on the internet because no one's heard <laughs> this album. Yep, I definitely looked for one too and could not find <laughs> it. And you can definitely make out some lyrical themes, but even just the musical themes are are so mm -hmm. incredible. There's a moment um, in the second track called Through a Window, where the band reprise the chorus from the opening track, Gone, and it is just such like a revelatory moment. And when they reprise the chorus, they bring in all this uh, synth backing to support the guitars, and it, it's just like a, a Niagara Falls of sound. It is, it is absolutely incredible, and there, there's uh, like just so much resolution to what they built up in the first song and then kind of pay off in the second track and the songwriting here is like so strong that e even the opening track gone like that would be that would be the centerpiece or like the final track of any yeah. other album I but think here it, it's, i think it's gone the opening might, track. i think gone and um oh god the first i i think strangely i think the 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 warm glow the closing track might be the the weakest in that it uh, to me doesn't i don't i don't feel like it concludes things in a way that's completely satisfactory like when the album ends i don't i don't feel the the sense of uh closure that 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 maybe i i want out of out of a out of a final track but other than that i was about to say i think gone is my final tr my favorite song and then i looked at the track list and realized that those first five that that all but the last one are kind of my favorite song on the album in some ways um yeah they're they're all incredible and like yeah i agree i think the warm glow is is the the weakest track on the album but oddly I, I have like a soft spot for it because of how life affirming it is. Like, yeah. th I think there's this line that I was able to make out where they say, like, uh, you know, feel your heart glowing through your skin, feel your heart warming all within. And like just these ideas of like positivity and are, are rare in metal and definitely rare in doom metal. And <laughs> it, it just it's it's so like they earn it. Like, I know mm -hmm. that sounds like a super earnest line, but by the time you've reached that point in the album, you're like, OK, these are talented folks like they, they have earned this emotional journey that, that they've taken us on. M my favorite track is Into the Fall. I think yeah, there that are very good. There are moments there that it just feels like I get this mental picture of like the protagonist just standing on the edge of a void, like calling out the name of someone they've lost. Like it's mm -hmm. it's just super emotional stuff and really impactful. I, I love listening to this record. I was trying to think what what is the experience of this album like? And I kept being reminded of uh, that that kind of seminal arcade fire album funeral, like mm -hmm. the, the one, the, the one that's like the absolute juggernaut, just like how that's emotional the experience it is. Yeah. And like that, that album has almost reached like totemic status, right. Of like how revered it is. Um, 
ancestors definitely aren't as popular as Arcade Fire. Um, but I, I had I felt like I was going on a similar kind of em- emotional journey with with the sonic landscape that that they were painting here. And in and that real- in that both are very in that both are records that bring out sadness, and yet they are both records that that feel like that sadness is cathartic as opposed to just making you feel depressed or or just making you feel down it it's that type of sadness that feels like a cleansing or 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 a purging of those emotions um in ways that uh, it's you know something that i think other mediums have trouble doing uh, mediums other than music i mean I, I i can't think of many even though I watch a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows like and I interact with a lot of different mediums um, and I can't think of that many things other than than music that are able to to do that feeling uh, quite in the same way. Um, and even in music, it's it's kind of rare for it to be executed this well. And I would put um, I would put suspended in reflections up in that category. Yeah. I think we often say like, you know, do we recommend the thing or do we not recommend the thing? Uh, we, I, we absolutely yeah. recommend this record. In fact, for me, it's almost more of like, I implore you to listen to this. It sounds uh, a lot. You, you've got Spotify. Just, just type in ancestors suspended in reflections. It's like clocks in at less than 40 minutes long. We're not asking a lot of you, please listen to this album. <laughs> We, uh, I think we talk about metal a lot on here, and, and sadly, we often have to qualify that because metal has a lot of problematic elements to it. Like, it tends to glorify violence. It, it's really in the gutter a lot of the time. You know, sometimes it's criticizing those things, but also kind of reveling, reveling in, in them yeah. at the same time. Um, this album, I, I, I can unqualified. Like yeah. I, I, this is an unqualified recommendation. Like, there's everyone could enjoy this this album, which is super cool. So. That's my contribution for the category of frigid. DJ, what about your contribution under the category of frigid? Yeah, so I'm going to contribute the 2017 horror film called Dead Night from director Brad Baru. This is a Cabin in the Woods film, essentially. And the reason it fits the category is uh, one of the inciting elements of the plot is that this family travels to a stereotypical cabin in the woods because the father of the family is suffering from some kind of i think it's an unspecified illness i don't think they ever come out and say exactly yeah, what they it say is cancer oh they do say cancer okay mm, it's in it's, one it's line a, gotcha gotcha um and the the wife believes that um so the wife found this cabin on kind of this her friend's website who does this sort of airbnb thing but for locations that have like new agey like you know minerals in the ground that can help heal people kind of stuff and so they go out to this cabin for like a little family vacation but also to to try to to heal the father theoretically um and then when they get there this strong winter storm hits so that's where we get the frigid and in fact the storm is is so intense and so cold that uh, this woman who's out hiking the woods nearby the cabin where the family are staying, she collapses due to exposure from the cold. And this family who's out there just having their family vacation, they have to bring her into the cabin and kind of shelter her and, and bring her back to health. So that's that's where the frigid ties in. 
Now, Trav, uh, a few episodes back, we talked about a movie called Resolution. And when we talked about the movie, we mentioned that in the post-Cabin in the Woods uh, arena of film, like I'm referring to the movie Cabin in the Woods uh-huh. now from like about, you know, 10 years ago or, or whenever that came out. Entering like creating a new horror movie that uses the cabin in the woods trope is is super challenging because that cabin you in the woods deconstructed you can't do it without idea. challenging it almost. That's right. It it obligates you to do something absolutely crazy with the premise and and Dead Knight seems to be aware of that challenge and they definitely attempt to tackle it head on mm-hmm. um, by being completely bonkers um so this this movie as soon as that inciting incident happens and the family finds this this hiker who's collapsed out in the woods the movie goes from being like sort of a kind of slow burn into 90 miles an hour what am i watching what is happening right now complete wtf craziness and like the movie is borderline incomprehensible. And I started to think, you know what? I really like incomprehensible art, um, (laughs) but, but I think it comes in two categories. And for the sake of simplicity, I'll call them incomprehensible, good and incomprehensible, (laughs) bad. Um, And so what are examples of incomprehensible, good? Well, like, uh, you know, decompositions, volume number one by circle takes the square season three of twin peaks, uh, the movie primer, Um, These are Mm -hmm. all things that I would call incomprehensible good. And so what is it about those movies? Like, I will, I don't think I will ever understand what's really going on in the third act of the film primer, but why do I still enjoy it? It's because the, the creators of that art have exuded such a feeling of confidence and assuredness that I, as the person participating and listening to or watching or reading that art I feel like they know what they're doing. Like, I feel like I'm being taken on this crazy ride and these creators um, are just, you know, so creative that they've they've generated this amazing thing and I can trust that they know what they're doing. I think that's the differentiator between incomprehensible good and incomprehensible bad. A thing starts becoming incomprehensible bad when I lose that confidence, when I start to think, you know, I'm not really sure that anybody involved knows what's going on here. And so I start asking a lot of questions of like, what, you know, why was this in the movie? Why does this relate to that? And I think the first step in that is, you know, if you're going to make an incomprehensible film, did you at least exhibit, you know, basic literacy in filmmaking vocabulary? (laughs) (laughs) And there are some problems with that in Dead Night, first of which is the editing of this movie, which so not only are there major continuity issues, one example is when the family first arrives at the cabin, it's kind of like late afternoon or or like, you know, getting into dusk or something. And they say, oh, the front door's locked. We got to go around to the side door. So they cut to the family going to the side door and it is like the middle of the night and they're using flashlights all of a sudden. So it's <laughs> like there's some kind of huge thing that was just chopped out as super... Uh, a super unsettling transition there. And then uh, there are other editing issues where it'll be like a scene of dialogue between two characters and then randomly we'll cut to a few quick seconds of a third character who's not participating in the conversation. The editing is just all over the place and I don't understand what's going on. And suddenly that makes me wonder, okay, if you didn't get this right, are you ready to tackle the absolute insanity of your plot? 
Um, and, and I come away not having a whole lot of confidence in that. Now, all of that said, I think I enjoyed watching this movie, but in the same sense that we just talked about Ancestors, where I said, yeah, I recommend it, and I also implore you to go check it out. For this film, I have to say, I enjoyed it, but I don't think I recommend it unless you're one of those listeners who, you know, you've you've followed uh, the episodes that Trav and I have put out there for long enough to know that, okay, I guess if, if DJ liked this thing, maybe my tastes are suitably aligned that yeah. I might also like it. I can't really recommend it for anybody else. The reason I enjoyed it was just because of absolutely how crazy it does get. And there's just a lot of stuff I had never seen before. Um, but I think it has some, some basic competency issues that, that really hamstring the, the overall experience. Trav, I'm curious to hear your thoughts sure. on this one. Um, Philosopher Jean Beaugirard is real oh, hot yeah. right now. Um, <laughs> just, just Beaugirard is just so hot right now. But Bo- Beaugirard, not himself, but his ideas come up in a Pixar movie that came out this year. Incredibles Two is just Jean. Bo- <laughs> the villain is just Jean Beaugirard in that movie, and it's buck wild. <laughs> um, so Jean Beaugirard is this philosopher who. I don't know, he wrote about a lot of weird stuff. But one of the things that he wrote about that um, is often referenced and comes up in media a lot, for some reason, a lot recently, is this idea that our mass communication, our uh, mass media, is this sort of sick outlet for us wherein it's almost more real to us than uh, the world around us. And so we um we almost run into the problem of making the world worse around us so that it makes more interesting television as <laughs> super reductive of of Beaugirard, and that's not really what he's talking about but that's sort of how he gets interpreted in um in a lot of in a lot of media so i'll just leave it at that um it looks like Dead Knight is trying to do something similar. The main uh, sort of uh, curveball the movie throws at you is that you end up watching, uh, inter- intercut with, within the film, you end up watching a sort of, I guess you would say parody, uh, a, a parody of... Or it's like true crime. A take on like one of those true crime shows. And it's the, the true crime show you're watching is narrates the 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 film and the in in the you know standard narrative in the traditional narrative there are all these supernatural elements but all of those are taken out and you end up with this really cold clinical look at the events of the film through this uh through this sort of distorted lens of the um of this like fake true crime show and it sort of seems like dead knight is trying to go for a thing where the um the like unknowable sinister forces of nature are 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 downplayed when we just look at things through um through this lens of pure psychology motive physical evidence um that that there's a a deeper evil that you you can't find when looking at things in that way it's kind of interesting it's an interesting idea you i think hit the nail on the head though that um, there are some choices that are made that are um, meant to, um, I think, shock the audience or um, 
or confound the audience. And really all they end up doing is stumping me. It's just, I look for what meaning it could possibly have. I think of the final shot in the final, uh, maybe it's not the final shot, but the final sequence in particular, it's something shocking happens. And yet I, there's, there's nothing in there that I can, I, I can't get any meaning out of it. And I don't know, maybe someone would be like, well, that's the point. And at that point, what am I even doing? You know? Yeah, I, uh, I, I was asking myself similar questions. I was like, you know, what, what is this movie trying to say? Because as you pointed out, yeah, it kind of takes this turn into, into true crime parody. It's not even like halfway in, like this happens early on. But it, it's weirdly like behind the times. Like it's the mm-hmm. it's like the old kind of true crime that's on like a, a Friday night at like eight PM on the networks or whatever. It's not the the true crime kind of resurgence that we're having w- with all like the serials and the Netflix right. documentaries and stuff like that. It's like it's like the Dateline st- style stuff that I, I don't know that it was ever really popular. For some reason, it, it's choosing to parody that. So I'm wondering, like, I, I kept thinking, you know, is is this some kind of criticism of the true cl- crime resurgence? Is this a criticism of, you know, new age medicine and alternative remedies that kind of abandons that whole thing? Or is it just incomprehensible bad? And <laughs> I, I think it, it sadly might be the third thing there. There's, as you mentioned, Trev, it's just showing you all this shocking stuff stuff and it's sound and fury signifying nothing like there's a cold open in this movie and i i still can't <laughs> figure out what yeah what, no. what happened there and how that related to the rest of the story it just seems there's a political to... subplot believe it or not oh yeah there's that too yeah there's like uh political ads that happen and then that character actually appears in the story um so that like there's enough going on here to mm-hmm. like it was interesting to me but I think Bria I could... Grant does a good job in the in the lead role and I think that um I think a lot of the effects are super cool if you're into the, that sort of uh you know blood and guts thing um and I think the and I think the the monster design is is fun too and and there is there are some things to chew on even if it kind of pads that out with some filler. And uh, Barbara Crampton also does a great job in this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I think one of the strongest uh, segments of this film is right when the family first uh, finds the hiker in the woods and and brings her into the house. Um, I think we've talked about the film Funny Games on here before, Trav. And this idea is it's super unsettling when... There's like a stranger in your house and that stranger is not conforming to the norms of like societal decency Um, that the stranger starts like, you know, ask being really selfish and like asking a lot for themselves like, wait, you can't do that. You're in my house. Like, you can't be selfish like that. And there's something just weirdly unsettling about that because it it never really happens. And the movie does that, but it, it doesn't really stay there long enough for it to sink in all of a sudden it's going 90 miles an hour just complete craziness um so it's it's not a recommendation from me unless you you're just into kind of weird cinema that might not be saying anything uh, as i guess i kind of am i just Uh, realized the commonality between our two contributions other than of course frigid is the fact that neither have a wikipedia page that's right. That's right. For once, we're going. We're, we're uh, talking about these things without having Wikipedia open in front of us. So, Sorry, uh, Trev, should we? But... 
Should we look for our next assignment from Jeff? Yeah, let's do that. Pork, pork, pork. All right, Deej, our one-word category from the artificial intelligence for next week's episode is pork. Oh, yeah, I like the sound of that. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash arbitrary show. You can email us at arbitraryarchive at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes. The fifth star is our favorite. Our theme music is by Alistair Forsyth of the podcast Bite Sized Lemons. And as always, if in creating this archive we inadvertently cause the very apocalypse that we are trying to prevent, we sincerely apologize. Sorry. <laughs>